0: In the cinematic sea of prequels, sequels, reboots, and reimaginings, the Movie Retakes podcast considers the merits and desires for Hollywood's new takes on our beloved movie classics. Brothers Matt and Chris Sully examine the latest retake franchises, pitch their own original retake visions, and share their love for the movies that made them.
1: This is Big Sully. And this is Matt. Zero, one, 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 zero, zero, one, one, zero, one, one, one. Zero one zero one zero one one zero one one zero 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 one one zero one one zero zero one 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 zero zero one Sully
0: <laughs> Did you really spell something out with that? You did, didn't you?
1: <laughs> Welcome to the Matrix episode. I know you're out there. I can feel you now. I know that you're afraid. Oh, oh boy <laughs> um yeah this is uh it's strange it's so it seems so strange that uh it's taken us 25 episodes to get to the matrix because it comes up in almost every episode anyway yep. um so it's it's really exciting that we're we're finally getting to do an entire episode all about it uh
0: you know one of my all-time favorite franchises but as we'll see when we get later into the pitch also when you approach something that you're such a fan of it's really hard to do this
1: <laughs> yeah like it's um it's strange because there's uh you, you're you're so into it and then there's this uh because it's so big there's there's canon all around it you know so you know when you go to write your own stuff somebody's out there is gonna be like no that that's not how it works or whatever you can't do that or this character was actually over in this place at that time well okay we we may not know every little detail um but you know we'll work with what we get and uh when they come to us about the uh the script uh finalizing the script i'm sure we can seek some help uh with that yes uh before we get to our pitches though Uh, We have uh, a few things to go over. One is, if you haven't already followed and subscribed to us, please do that. Um, Not just our podcast here, but over on Twitch. We do live episodes every Wednesday, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. Join us for that because it's a lot of fun. We'll talk about movies, um, but there's a ton of interaction. And then uh, we play at least a half hour of some kind of movie or TV trivia uh, things that we enjoy talking about things that you guys enjoy talking about um and so that is a ton of fun and uh it's getting really nice looking too we just got that new extension the front row thing where you can come in and be a hot dog or a taco or <laughs> whatever um so yeah join us uh there on TV slash movie retakes every wednesday night yeah, I had uh, Movie Man, who who's there for our trivia
0: a lot of times, come on my stream yesterday. I was like, hey, I'm Movie Man. How you doing? He's like, still recovering from that Matrix trivia on Wednesday. That was brutal. Like, <laughs> we took it to another level. And I was like, well, you know what? Now you know how big a fan you are or aren't of the Matrix franchise. That
1: It was a tough one. Uh, Vanessa wrote... Uh the questions there and there was some you know she always gets on me about how hard i make mine and then she made some pretty tough ones in there that honestly i don't think i would have done well at that trivia either Uh um but that's the thing it's it's all for fun you you know get some points uh, win some stickers uh we have all kinds of great stickers uh the uh, artwork that my brother does for each episode is just outstanding he's turning those into stickers which are now collectibles because true fans want to collect all of our paraphernalia so uh, it's a it's a ton of fun um let's see what else. Yeah, I think that's that's the good stuff. Yeah, make sure and follow us everywhere and you'll get updated with uh new things that are happening all over. First, we got some big questions. Oh yeah, I love this part of every episode. I don't read
0: them. Brother brother writes them, but here's some some things we're gonna answer during this episode. Uh one, which movie retake's favorite turn down a lead role? Ooh. How did these movies redeem Keanu Reeves and a sci-fi genre? And can cereal be sexy?
1: <laughs> I read that with a straight face. Boy, I I, I really hope the answer is no. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh boy. I mean, I love cereal, but I don't love cereal.
0: Not like that. No. Not like it's not like the American Pie movies in warm apple it, it, that's pie. Right. No, thank
1: you. All right. Well, before <laughs> we answer those questions, what you watching? Oh man. Uh this
0: this one every week just throws me. I'm all over the board. Uh I just watched a great movie the other night, Shadow in the Cloud. If you're listening to this one this podcast uh right as it launches, you may still be able to catch it on Apple iTunes for 99 cents. It's Chloe Moretz Grant. What is her name? Grace Chloe Moretz, Moretz, yeah. Moretz. Whatever. Grace Moretz in uh what can only be uh described as gremlins in the air. Okay. Uh I, when I first saw it, I thought it was just a World War II movie and passed it up. But then we watched the trailer for it, and I ended up watching it with Jungle Bry uh, from the movie Jungle Podcast. Loved it. Um, I, I recommend it. It's just fun. And 99 cents? Come on, do it. Tom Clancy's Without Remorse over on Amazon with uh, Michael B. Jordan. I enjoyed it. Um, it wasn't something I can't wait to go back and watch, but it was a good viewing okay. at least once. Mighty Ducks, the series I've been watching. Uh, was really enjoying it until this last episode, and then I finished it and was like, seriously? Like, just something happened in there. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody, but I was just like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever oh. seen. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. Turns out they're all uh, Continuing <laughs> the whole time. Who knew? Uh, Debris, Loving Debris, that's like that new X-Files slash The Fringe show. The rookie with Nathan Fillion continuing on that always fantastic. Uh, Fear of the Walking Dead is back and and fantastic as always. Uh, so a lot going on there, but big news, huge news. Next Friday for the first time ever, I will get to see Tokyo Drift in theaters. Oh yeah, so you got your ticket? I got my ticket. They uh, they started doing uh, one. Fast and Furious movie a Friday. They're calling it Fast Fridays every week leading up to the reveal or the release of Fast Nine a year after it was originally supposed to come out. Oh. But they're showing these for free. So all I had to do was log on uh, this past Friday and reserve my tickets for next week. And believe it or not, I got up and did it first thing. There were already a dozen tickets gone for this theater. And then a friend of mine uh, checked at his local theater in Florida, sold out. People are really excited about going to see Tokyo Drift. I'm not going to be the only one there screaming at my favorite moments.
1: Yeah, I'm, Well, I'm not surprised that there's, there's fans. I'm surprised that they were doing it for free. That was really cool. It's amazing. Yeah, cool. AMC's doing that. It was a really, really smart
0: move on their part to get people back to theaters. And I'm Good still point. upset that I passed on Tokyo Drift the first time around thinking it was just a throwaway movie, and now it's one of my all-time favorites, and all these years later... I get to go see it in theaters for the first time. That's just what a wow, cool experience that that's to be. Wow, that doesn't
1: happen. That's great. That's really right? cool.
0: I'm so excited. So there's that uh, podcast. I haven't been listening to a lot. Sadly, I've gotten out of my workout routine. But next week, I'm back to it. I'll be back to podcasts. You said that so the watch last out, time. Mark Marin <laughs> and Michael Rosenbaum. I'm coming. <laughs> yep. Uh, And then gaming, of course. I stream on my own stream. Fall Guys, Rocket League, Warzone, all the fun stuff. Uh, So, you know, I'm always playing games. Oh, and I can't get enough of mobile games. Just, I'm constantly in the middle of a game somehow. Sometimes I'm playing a game, waiting for one to load, playing another game. That's just how I roll.
1: I have been there. Um, Yeah. um, I... uh I was thinking. So you're saying they were they were doing for free and getting people back in the theater, and I guess that is kind of the point. Is there are still people mm-hmm. that are maybe hesitant to go back. So free is certainly a price tag that will get people back in the theaters. Uh, I am certainly excited to get back. I'm upset that there's a couple movies that have come out that I would have liked to have seen in theaters and haven't gotten to. So yeah, I'm anxious for all that to be to be back the way it was because I I miss my local theater. Um we have been watching not too much here besides the Matrix um I we are continuing to watch the uh, Dark series uh, not finished up with that quite yet um we've been watching Blackish which is hilarious for some reason there was a uh, gap in seasons available um where it went from like uh season 3 to season 6 or something so it's a shame because we've not seen the show before um, and we were really trying to find it elsewhere, but eventually we broke down cause we like it so much. that so we went ahead and started season six. It was like, everybody's all grown up. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: like a it's fast weird. Yeah.
1: Um, but you know, still very hilarious. Uh, watched, uh, rewatched contact, um, which was still Ooh. really good. Um, Love that movie. the, this was around, this is a meccas and, um, I, I, uh, I, I, Made me want to propose a a question for people of who their favorite sci-fi director might be because I've been thinking about you know Zemeckis and Spielberg and then you've got James Cameron and uh, Ridley Scott and J. J. Abrams. J J Abrams yeah and there's there's these guys that are in this particular genre but each have their own kind of touch you know and Zemeckis has a mm-hmm. has a feel that I really enjoy because he always he makes uh, the drama a, a major upfront part and it really is a great. Great drama film. So if you haven't seen Contact, um, you need to watch that. It's, it, the effects still really hold up nicely, too. Looking good. Uh, there's there's and still a couple that's of shots in one of those movies I, I don't, don't hear people it, talk about. Yeah. But it's so good. I, I think it was it was huge at the time, but, I mean, it's been a long... That's been a while. So, yeah, if, if yeah. for whatever reason you missed that, you should check it out. We also watched Contagion, uh, which I know we're in the middle of <laughs> the, this movie, <laughs> which uh, the parallels are frightening but um it's a great movie so yeah maybe you want to wait in a couple of years down the road until this is over to watch it but uh yeah, when you when you can watch that watched uh missing link the the Leica movie that i somehow missed at oh, the theater yeah. uh fantastic hilarious and last night we watched um the mitchells versus the machines uh oh, yeah. from uh sony and uh it was fantastic uh i've heard good it, things uh, it was uh, the same same folks i think that did the um uh spider-man uh the spider-verse and they oh that's they why they tried to replicate like some of the visuals that were so unique about that and it worked usually when you try and do a follow-up with that same sort of feel it falls flat it did not it was perfectly uh melded with this type of movie and the characters it was a lot of fun and it was great for like a family sit down. Like Isba really enjoyed it, and we laughed nonstop through the whole thing. So I highly recommend, uh, especially for a family viewing. Um, check that one out with your kids. It's
0: it's that really one's uh, Netflix here in the states. Was it Netflix? Yeah, it was Netflix.
1: Yeah. Um, and uh, up until it came out, really, I hadn't heard anything about it before. So I don't know why. Me either. Yeah. Total surprise. The only reason I knew about it was from uh, Mark on the Mark and Me
0: podcast. He he posted uh, about it and said how much he enjoyed it as well. Uh, but wait, before you go on, interesting story on uh, Missing Link. I actually got to visit the Leica headquarters in Oregon a couple years ago. We went over there as part of Funko to go interview some people and get a little footage, and I got to tell you, I wish everyone could take a tour. That is the most amazing place. The love and attention they put into every film, like literally got to go into one room with the wardrobe person. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't think that exists in this kind of world, but there's somebody whose job it is to pick the fabrics that they eventually put on all those little figures, uh, and and they had like here's here's our coordination of the different suits for each of the characters, and for Missing Link specifically, like his tweed jacket and stuff, they showed all that, and then we went into a couple of the rooms with the sets where they showed, oh my god, like the, there's a like one point where he's hanging off of a of a type yeah. that's up in the air, there's like a whole scene, that thing is huge, it's like fifty foot tall on a real set in a real room. And we got to go in and see the ladders and the cameras and the lighting set up. It is mind boggling. It's so cool what they do on those films. I,
1: I love what Leica does for their productions. Like the way they put that together, it makes such a visual impact that's so unique. Like you see, it's one of yep. their films, and they're just. They're good storytellers, and their stuff is is most is generally funny and entertaining. Like it's, uh, they're just good. It's a that's a great studio, and I hope we see a ton of stuff from them. If you've never checked out anything from Laika, you you need to check it out. Uh, Paranorman, Kubo, and the Two Strings, mm-hmm. uh, Coraline back in the day, which I'm not a big fan of. Um, it looks amazing, but story wise, especially I wouldn't recommend it for young kids. It's a bit spooky. Um, but yeah. visually, it's amazing. The other films have all been very, very good as well. Okay, well, I guess we should get into our franchise, which is The Matrix. You're here because you know something. What you know, you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. Do you know what I'm talking about? The Matrix. Welcome to the Matrix. I'll talk like this the rest of the show. (laughs) When a beautiful stranger leads computer hacker Neo to a forbidden underworld, (laughs) he discovers the shocking truth. The life he knows is the elaborate deception of an evil cyber intelligence. Uh, Guess who's in the Matrix? It's Keanu Reeves, Lawrence Fishburne, Carrie Ann Moss, (laughs) sorry to ruin it for everybody, Hugo Weaving, Joe Pantoliano, Gloria Foster, Uh, And she, who plays the oracle, Gloria Foster, is this episode's actor highlight. She was born in 1933. Foster was mostly a theater actress in New York. Her first stage role was in A Raisin in the Sun. She won an Obie Award, which is for Off-Broadway, for her uh, performance in the play In White America, where she portrayed 27 different characters. Uh, Life magazine dedicated a two-page article to Foster, and uh, it opened up a world for her where a lot of roles were actually written expressly, for her highly sought after uh by the end of her career she would win two more obis for a later performance of a raisin in the sun and the broadway production of having our say in 1995 sadly she died in 2001 uh during production of uh, matrix reloaded and forced her character replacement by mary alice who also did a fantastic job but uh -hmm. on this rewatch scene gloria foster i'm like she's really likable. Like, I dig her character. She's just cool. I love her voice. I love her look. Like, uh, she just has a cool way about her, and I, that's a shame that I think for most people this was the introduction to her as an actress uh, when, sadly, yeah, was for me. she was at the end of her uh, life there. So uh, it's a shame we don't get more from her, but, man, she went out with a bang, I guess. <laughs> this is a, a big yeah. uh, franchise to be a part of. Uh, directed by, uh, who was uh, uh, slated as the Wachowski Brothers at the time. Uh, They had done Bound in 96, which I remember seeing that uh, actually prior to, um, I think I saw it prior to, yeah. Yeah, I I think I saw it prior to The Matrix Mm -hmm. uh, and liked it. I enjoyed it. Uh, Speed Racer they did in 2008, Cloud Atlas 2012, Jupiter Ascending in 2015, and then uh, did a lot of that Sense8 series that I think was on Netflix, right? From 2015 oh, yeah. to 2018. I watched that. Um, strangely enough, I am a big fan of The Matrix but, uh, and Bound, but I s- have not seen a ton of their other work. i I seen Cloud Atlas, did not enjoy it. Um, I never saw Speed Racer, never saw Jupiter Ascending, and I haven't seen Sense8. So, and uh, V for Vendetta, I remember watching it uh, a while ago and i didn't really care for it i'll try it again because a lot of people say i'm wrong um but i just haven't got around to watching it again um they uh the the wachowskis were writers for v for vendetta as well as matrix cloud atlas speed racer and uh assassins if you remember back in the day um which i enjoyed that movie apparently was heavily rewritten by brian helgeland but that was their first foray into um hollywood uh, writing that yeah. that script for Assassins. Huh. Yeah. Did not know that. Yeah. Matrix came out in 1999. Big things at the theater then were 10 Things I Hate About You, Magnolia, Girl Interrupted, Galaxy Quest, Wild Wild West, and Entrapment. And Wild Wild West will come up later in uh, trivia. Um, box Office, who had a $63 million budget, which is pretty large, uh, but wow. grossed $466 million worldwide. It made all the dollars. Uh, and was really lo- well liked, eighty-eight percent um, for that first Matrix. And I guess we can come back and do our own ratings and and chat. Well, I'll go through and finish up the synopsis and everything. Uh, for sure. Matrix Reloaded, uh, Freedom Fighters, Neo, Trinity, and Morpheus continue to lead the revolt against the Machine Army, unleashing their arsenal of extraordinary skills and weaponry against the systematic forces of repression and exploitation. What if I am right? what if the prophecy is true what if tomorrow the war could be over isn't that worth fighting for isn't that worth dying for okay uh we get keanu larry carrie hugo uh now we get jada pinkett smith as Niobe, Harold Perrineau as Link, Monica Bellucci as Persephone, Lambert Wilson, who may be Lambert Wilson, Merovingian, uh, and Harry Lennox as Commander Locke, also directed by the Wachowskis, and written by the Wachowskis. This was in 2003, a few years later, um, and they filmed these at the same, back-to-back, this one, Mm -hmm. and Revolutions. This came out um uh it was it had 150 million dollar budget and made 742 million everybody went to see this everybody went to see this yep um that was their opening day yeah uh everybody was so excited because the matrix was a massive success and it was so interesting yeah. and it just blew the world away and we were just salivating waiting for the next installment um uh, not as well-liked, but still pretty high up there. 73% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, and then shortly after that, it was a few months later, I think, uh, The Matrix Revolutions mm-hmm. came out, which was the uh, end of the trilogy. The human city of Zion defends itself against the massive invasion of the machines as Neo fights to end the war at another front, while also opposing the rogue Agent Smith. These synopses aren't uh, too well-written. Uh, everybody's back, because... <laughs> It's pretty much one long film from Reloaded, um, and uh, the Wachowskis are obviously still involved in there. The budget on this was 150 million, and made 427 million. So what what do we have on the last big drop off? Yeah, a big drop off, um, and not well liked. 33% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. All right, so let's go back to the original. Matrix, what do you have to say about that?
0: Uh, ten. <laughs> it's ten. All of it. Or five in our in our yeah. world. Yeah, it's uh, there are only a handful of movies I will call perfect. This is one. There's not a scene out of place, not a frame that doesn't answer to the movie. Not, a, not an acting performance out of whack. It revolutionized uh, what we see on screen with special effects. The acting was fantastic. The casting was fan- It Just everything about it. It is my go-to movie when I'm sick. I know that sounds weird, but if I ever have a day where I feel down, I lay down on the couch and I watch The Matrix. And somehow, just like those cookies from uh, The Oracle, <laughs> it just gives me a, a warm feeling, uh, and I'm right as rain afterwards. How was he?
1: Ten hours straight. A machine. <sighs> I know kung fu. I, I,
0: I freaking love The Matrix. Uh, and then we'll we'll rank the others in a minute. But yeah, it's it's perfect. That Shawshank Redemption, Back to the Future. I think probably the only movies I'll rank as perfect.
1: Yeah. Rating this one was tough for me because I I initially wanted to give it five stars because I really enjoy it. For me, I I will have this as a, as a caveat, I guess, is that for me personally, I will say it's a five-star movie because I love it so much. I will come back and watch this a dozen more times. I'm trying to do ratings where I'm thinking of other people who may not have seen this yet, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that our ratings covers is, um, is it, does it expand beyond its genre? Is this just an action sci-fi movie that only action sci-fi people enjoy? And I kind of think it is a bit constrained there. Yes, it goes mm-hmm. into uh, religious, you know, sort of side of things and, uh, you know, philosophical sort of uh, ex- uh you know, examination of our world, but I don't know that um, there is a whole lot of drama that can satisfy people who um, need that instead of just action. As an action movie, I love it and I'll watch it again, and I think it's still really great. Um, but yeah, for me, I, I gave it four stars because I'm just trying to think of uh, recommending this for people who may not have have seen it before. I still still think you're going to be entertained because how can you not be Yep. the action is still fantastic it's just a lot of fun it has a really cool look which may um at the time was incredibly unique i think we've seen more and more of that look now sure. uh, but at the time we hadn't seen a lot of that and uh so very very cool um so yeah i'm, I'm giving it a four stars but it, it kind of personally hurts me to do that because i i do love it so much uh okay So now we go to the middle one, Reloaded. What do you say there?
0: Yeah, these are tougher. And honestly, you said it already. Reloaded and Revolutions, it's one movie. It is. So how do you rank them individually? Uh, Well, you have to, uh, (laughs) to be fair. I thought thought Reloaded was better in a lot of ways than Revolutions, so I'll rank it a little higher. I kind of agree with those Rotten Tomato scores a bit, but I don't think they should be that low. Um, I think part of the pain at the time was was watching one and leaving the theater like, okay, that was good, that was fun, we had a good time, but where's the second half? And then having to wait months to come back and finish the film. That was rough at the time. But now to be able to sit down and watch them as as two movies in one story, uh, part of the trilogy, not as bad. Uh, I'll rank that one Reloaded probably a three and a half uh, because there were some amazing scenes and we they did a great job of expanding the story into this bigger universe. Uh, not an easy thing to do. I mean, uh, knowing trying to write my pitch today, how the hell do you take the Matrix and continue that story into something else? That's a monumental task. Mm-hmm. I, no wonder they couldn't uh, meet the fans' desires. Um, and then we finished it up with Revolutions, which I'll be honest, when watching again, I fell asleep during.
1: I know what you're thinking. Right now I'm thinking the same thing. Actually uh, I've been thinking it ever since I got here. <sighs> why oh why didn't I
0: take the blue pill? <sighs> I've only watched it a handful of times compared to the original Matrix, and it and it does wrap up the story and we do get to a fun ending or or, or not a fun ending. We do get to an ending, <laughs> a conclusion. Yeah. Um but but much lower on the scale. I'm gonna go two and a half okay. on that. Uh, but, it, but then if I'm going to add a bonus ranking, it's going to be the two movies together and the two movies together, I'll give a three and a half. I'll bump them up okay. as part of one story.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Cause it, it is, you're right. And I think everybody's aware of that. that it's basically like, it's two halves of one movie, which mm-hmm. I see, I see why they did that. But at the same time, I don't think the reloaded uh i think they could have made some major edits and stuff to to slim down reloaded and revolutions and put Mm -hmm. this as one probably way more um uh way more interesting of a film like where you say you you got bored and revolutions i think had they cut those in different ways and put that together you would not have been bored it would have been one action-packed film uh satisfying uh what a lot of people may have complained about and uh, one of the things i read that i really didn't think about until they said it was that reloaded was mostly in the matrix where revolutions was mostly outside of the matrix ah. in the real world and I, a lot of people had a problem with that i think their favorite thing was the matrix because of you know the limitless things that you could do where on yep. this rewatch that was actually what I was getting tired of was I um with the reloaded after when you end the matrix with the man stopping bullets going into uh, the, you know, basically breaking the code down where he can do anything and then he flies away. It's dumb that he fights <laughs> after that. Like he, he yeah. should be able to walk in the matrix and everything just is what he wants it to be and anything that wants to come near him he just melts them with his mind like there's no the only reason you would fight is just for fun um which fine if that's what you want to tell us but it's ridiculous that there's a fight sequence it's ridiculous that he can be in any kind of danger they set the bar too high basically at the end of matrix yeah um so i have a problem with that i i do have more of an issue now with what exactly Neo is, especially when we get into the real world and somehow his powers carry over into that. I thought it was cool initially. Now I think it's dumb and it kind of ruins the, uh, the vulnerability of, of humans where the, the, the war against the machines is so important. We know it's so important, but what makes that victory so much sweeter is when these people who, who, should not win finally do and he basically cheats the game by becoming this magical being that can kind of do whatever plus if you knew you could just stick your hand out and blow up all these things why didn't you stay back in zion where all these people are dying you could have just sat in a lawn chair stuck your hand up in the air and nothing would have hurt anybody uh, it, it just well it kind of did put him in a coma it, yeah but it, it, yeah there's flaws i'll say yeah um so yeah I have problems with it but I, one of the things I did like on on revolutions is the stuff that I think people didn't like is seeing them in Zion all those machines that people are in and shooting just constant massive bullets and the, the swarm that came, that came in that was amazing and I like that That's way part. more than the kung fu uh, of of reloaded and the boy I tell you we talk about CG aging that fight in Reloaded with all the Smiths is awful. Yeah. It is awful. It's like a video game. It looks terrible. And the the yeah. the worst thing you can do, if you know that your CG isn't all that great, is to then add slow-mo to it. Don't slow it down so that we can examine how terrible it is. <laughs> Speed it up. Speed it up. If anything, that fight sequence should have been 30 seconds long, and then we've been like, wow, that was amazing. Uh, yeah, so... Yeah, there's a few flaws in those. Still pretty entertaining, but for me, I actually like Revolutions more than Reloaded. For Reloaded, I gave it a a three stars. Revolutions, I gave it three and a half. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so I I, I think I'm in a a different camp there, but I'm okay with that. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, so just some general stuff that I guess was troublesome basically about what exactly is Neo now and... I, I just didn't care. I think a, I don't know that people had a problem with that. I think they just didn't really want, I don't know what they wanted, honestly, because I'm satisfied with the ending. Like, I like where it ends. I like that it's, you know, people are now, they have reached a peace. You know, maybe it's temporary and that's fine. They acknowledge that. But that the world itself, the Matrix, has changed. You know, now it looks a bit faker, but everybody's aware that it's fake and kind of makes the choice to live in it or whatever. I, I think that's interesting.
0: You say that. Yeah, that's, that wasn't my takeaway.
1: No. What do you think?
0: I, I don't, I don't think people are aware and, and we'll see when we get to my pitch. I don't think the general population that is in the matrix is aware that they're in the matrix at this point. Yeah. At the end of the day It film. is
1: still, it is still kind of ambiguous and I think it's open for interpretation. Mm-hmm. They, they talk about, they'll let people free. Mm-hmm if they want Mm -hmm. or whatever which could mean um they tell everybody or it could mean that everything goes on as normal uh and nobody's aware they're in the matrix but if people in zion want to free more people they won't stop them Mm -hmm. that's what i took away and i'm fine either way honestly um Mm -hmm. but anyway i i liked the ending with that and uh so yeah i'm not Anyway, I like that one better. I'm not as disappointed as I think other people were. And I, I'm hoping that people go back and watching these again aren't as harsh with that ending. Well, and it's not over anyway. We're going to have a Matrix 4, which is why this episode's happening. So I guess it doesn't really matter. Before
0: before you move on, uh, a couple things I want to add. Uh, one, I noticed in rewatching these all three together, which I've only done maybe two times before, mm. The music in the first one was fantastic cuz we got like Rage Against the Machine and Rob Zombie and some other stuff. But then when we go to the the second and third, the actual score was phenomenal. I love the music of Reloaded and Revolutions. And honestly, I don't normally pay attention to the score especially across three films. You know, something like a Braveheart or a, one of those, you pay attention because it's really part of the setting. But I noticed at this time for the first time how great that music was. And interesting, that fight against the the hundred smiths or whatever, as goofy as the special effects, like the music is awesome. It is. I love that music. I, I want to play that while I play video games. Uh, <laughs> screw you, DMCA and and uh, Lord Ulrich. Uh, but... But it's so much fun, uh, and I I love that part of it. I think that the first one stood out with the special effects, and then the second and third one stood out with the music more for me. Uh, But also, before we get to the pitches, I watched these three movies. uh, The first one, again, this had to be my 150 to 200th time to watch The Matrix. I'm not exaggerating. I freaking love this movie. I've watched it so many times. Going to see it in the theater was one of the most uh, amazing experiences because I didn't expect what happened. Literally jaw-dropping moments when they show him in the pod coming out for the first time because I had no clue. Thank God the internet wasn't as big as it is now and nothing was ruined. So that moment is the is what I try to recapture when I go to the film movies. I want those amazing, aha, jaw-dropping moments. They don't come up that often. That one changed cinema for the rest of my life. I'll be trying to recapture that moment. Uh, And I I totally forgot where I was going with this rant, Uh, but, but just, just wow, Mm -hmm. just wow. That's, that's all I have to say, but, but okay, I know where I was going. Uh, I watched these three movies so many times and I didn't stop to question a lot of things until we went to do this episode. So I went down the YouTube rabbit hole, being very careful to steer clear of any, any ideas of what people may do with four, you know, what their theories were and man, some of the theories holy crap, I had no clue. I never questioned the end of three. And then watching this and how was Neo able to stop the things in the real world and all the all these different theories and conjectures and debates. And wow, there's so many more layers to these films than I ever even thought.
1: So cool. I think you're probably getting into a thought I had. I didn't carry through on that thought, so maybe you did in your pitch. Um, but yeah, like essentially there's another layer to this that uh Uh they are still in the matrix just a different kind of the matrix maybe um which i don't understand as soon as he he starts to have these powers in the real world how that doesn't get immediately questioned by everyone you've already been through this right like where (laughs) you woke up and now everything seems to make sense with physics and all that so as soon as somebody comes out and does something that they shouldn't be able to do in this real world Shouldn't that kind of set everything on high alert? I don't know. Whatever. But, yeah, uh, we'll find <laughs> whatever. out pretty soon. Uh, <laughs> do you have a keyword?
0: Oh, I got a couple things for us. Oh. One, I've got a keyword for sure, but also I have a review that we should probably oh, fantastic. Uh, share at some point. Yeah. Uh, but first off, our keyword, are you ready? I'll say, it, I'll say it once, and I'll spell it. That's all I'm going to give to you. For those of you who are scrubbing through this thing, go back to the beginning and listen to it from the beginning. Stop cheating. We put a lot of work into this. Your keyword is dozer, D-O-Z-E-R, dozer. There you go. Hold on to that. You'll figure out what to do with it one day, I'm sure. Uh, And then also, let's do that review. Uh, We've been begging for a while. I I just called everyone out at the end of the Saw episode (laughs) as part of my sign-off, because how hard is it to go leave a review? Well, thank God Funko Lover 30 stepped up and left a review over on the Apple Podcasts, and here's the review. Great podcasts. The Sully Brothers are very funny. They give you great details and trivia about the Saw franchise, speaking specifically about our Saw episode. Also, a look at the newest Saw release coming out called Spiral. I actually learned a few things I didn't know. Thank you, Matt and Chris. You both made me laugh and made it so interesting and funny. You kept my attention the entire time. I wasn't a big fan of podcasts, but you both have
1: changed my mind. Wow. Yeah. Come on. Great. That's very kind. Thank you. Thank you, little uh, yeah. 30 Thank you very much. That was very nice. Uh, yeah, fantastic. Okay. Well, now I'm flabbergasted and grateful. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, all right. So we have some pitches. And uh, yeah, if you don't know, uh, the unique part of our program here is this part. Well, I would like to think that it's all unique because we're such charming fellows, but uh, we write uh, for uh, every episode our own unique pitch. Now, what is that? Uh, Basically, it's our uh, own ideas for what we would like to see as some continuation of the franchise we're covering. That could be uh, a prequel. It could be a reboot. It could be some wild tangent that just kind of loosely based off the original. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, and eventually we'll probably cover all of those. Uh, But we write our own pitch, which kind of takes you through uh, what our movie is, tells you the story, and then we also cast it. We say who we'd like to be in it, who we'd like to see directing it. Uh, We don't do budgets, but (laughs) that might be taking it a bit too far, but pretty much every other detail is there and considered. I think I'm first,
0: question mark? I believe so, (laughs) Yep. we go back and forth on each episode and I'm pretty sure I went first for Saul so yep you're up sir
1: um so one of the things that uh i i felt was lacking from the matrix is despite um <laughs> literally getting into these characters' minds i don't feel like we got a ton of backstory on people like i would like to know more about where everybody came from. And uh, so hopefully that doesn't spoil what I'm doing here because I'd like to think this is a big reveal at the end. Uh, But the name of my Matrix is The Matrix Exodus, Mm -hmm. E-X-O-D-U-S. We have uh, several main characters here. Raimi, who I am casting uh, Brashir Gray from Empire. Uh, Marcus, who's played by Stevante Hart from Little Fires Everywhere. Talisa, which will be played by Yara Shahidi from Blackish and um, uh, Gronish, her own show, uh, and then Popcorn Man is played by Joshua Jackson, and of course I've reserved Pacey. a sp- That's right, Pacey, and I've reserved <laughs> a spot for America's Sweetheart, Sandra Bullock as Starbreaker. I'm choosing. Um, I I, I try to have a different director for every one of these, because otherwise I probably would pick the same directors all the time. Um, So I wanted to get a bit more into somebody who's done some television. Brad Anderson. Uh, He has done some movies. He's done The Machinist. um, And Mm. uh, one of my favorite films that not a lot of people have seen, Happy Accidents, uh, with uh, Marissa Tomei and um, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. If you haven't seen that, please go check it out. It's uh, wonderfully charming. And uh, he also has worked on a ton of television. It looks like he's called in very often to do pilots for series. Um, He has worked on the Fringe series, as well as the new one, Debris, that you're watching. Um, So uh, I say this guy's got the chops for the kind of movie that I want to do. So here's my pitch. Marcus and brother Ramey have just moved to a new city. And their first day of high school has proven their minority status. In a white sea, these black teens immediately struggle to fit in, getting in trouble with the teachers and clashing with the student body. And there's a strange police presence that circles the school and surrounding neighborhoods. They think there's no way they can adjust to this foreign world when they meet Talisa, one of the few other non-white students and possibly the most beautiful girl in school. As much as she's a sight of comfort for the brothers, she quickly becomes the greatest wedge between them. Hanging out after school, Talisa's clearly interested in Raimi, the eldest brother. He's more athletic, smarter, and more confident. Marcus is quickly establishes the tag-along in the trio, but when Talisa spots Marcus taking pills, she takes an interest in the younger boy. She thinks he's trying to get high, but he explains the pills are for schizophrenia. He says he sees things that aren't there, and his dreams are always nightmares. Talisa asks him if he believes that humans could have special gifts, and that maybe his mental illness could actually be something else their conversations cut short when a crew of thugs show up to make trouble as thugs do and the trio end up in a fight marcus is knocked down quickly but ramey holds his own talisa however outshines them all demonstrating physical fighting skills the boys have never seen the thugs run off and talisa asks if they can both meet her that evening at nightfall the group goes downtown i haven't really said what city this is so it's kind of like the matrix for that it's pretty open. Talisa taking the lead as they descend into seedier parts of the city. She tells them about some new designer drug that has made people see and do strange things, the ones that live anyway. It's harder to find now. There's a huge DEA presence that has swooped in to take down the drug operations. At least everyone thinks they're DEA. These guys wear suits and always wear sunglasses. But she knows a guy mm. who still has some of the pills. In an alleyway entrance to a theater, Talisa finds the popcorn man. He runs the projector booth, dealing drugs and buckets of popcorn. They hang with him for a bit, smoking weed in the booth when Talisa asks about the pills. The popcorn man says there isn't much left, and he's glad. Way too many people have died, and he admits to being different now that he's taken the drug. He says, everything seems kind of fake, you know. Plus, I keep dreaming I can fly and always wake up on the floor. Remy says, he's not interested in this stuff. But Marcus is still keen. He says he wouldn't mind taking a chance on the drug, that maybe if it changes a normal mind into seeing strange things, it could revert a person that sees strange things into having a normal mind. Talisa agrees that the effects might just benefit some people. The discussion is interrupted by a loud noise in the theater. The trio look through the booth windows to see the sunglass-wearing DEA agents pulling people from the crowd, searching them. Popcorn Man shoves his stash into Raimi's hands and pushes the young... Gang out of the theater in the alleyway. The agents confront the trio. Ramy tosses the stash, spilling drugs everywhere. Talisa flees, doing some insane acrobatics to avoid capture, and comes back to rescue the boys, but she's too late. Marcus and Ramy are arrested. Ramy confesses that the drugs were his and goes to prison. Marcus is left alone. Fighting with his parents, fighting with the thugs at school, fighting with Talisa over her part in the debacle, and his nightmares are inflamed. He sees violent machines and towers of people and pods around him. His schizophrenia pills aren't helping, and when he's pushed to the edge, he finds himself back in that alley one night, searching for those red pills. He finds one and swallows it. Immediately, the world around him is distorted, and his movements are erratic. He has a waking dream that he sprints into traffic, jumping over cars, and fights a man who's mugging some tourists. When he wakes in his bed the next day, his knuckles are bloody. We get a montage with Marcus exploring his powers, projecting, gotta have that montage, projecting himself like a dream into what he wants to do, then doing it. Talisa's there encouraging him, showing off her abilities, and they end up fighting each other in kind of a sparring moment. We've seen that before. They fall to the ground in exhaustion. And they have some super hot sex. (laughs) Uh, Afterward, Marcus says he wants to break his brother out of prison. Whoa. They revisit the popcorn man to see if he knows anybody that can help. He says someone came by looking for them people that have taken the drugs, uh, the red pill drugs. And Popcorn Man says these characters weren't any kind of police. Regardless, He does know someone who breaks into celebrity homes that could help them, and he might be able to get them some new identities after the job is done. Marcus, Talisa, and the Starbreaker, Sandra plan and execute a prison break. The plan goes well at first, then it falls apart, and Marcus and Talisa have to fight the prison guards. The guards are no match in hand-to-hand with the pair. But when guns start blazing, Raimi and several prisoners are killed. Marcus and Talisa are backed into a corner when mystery figures show up and annihilate the guards. The mysterious warriors turn to the young couple, telling them they know about the red pills, but their powers aren't what they think. Nothing is, but if they choose to stay in this life, they'll be caught and sent to prison forever. They have another option, one which requires another red pill, a much stronger one. As one mystery figure preps to Lisa to take her pill and her journey out of the Matrix, the other figure speaks to Marcus, saying he's an unusual case. His mind is different than the other's. Marcus, still in shock and despair over his brother's death, explains his new gift is like a means of making his dreams into reality. Ah, you're a god of dreams, says the mystery figure. There was a Greek god of dreams long ago. If I remember correctly, his name was Morpheus. If I were a god, I could have saved my brother, the mystery figure says. I'm sorry about Raimi, but if you come to us, you'll discover the true power people like you actually have. Then you can save thousands, even millions. You can save the world, Morpheus. The real world, that is. Sirens blaring and SWAT footsteps coming down the prison hallways to Lisa says, What choice do we have? And she swallows the red pill. Morpheus watches her slip from her body and get pulled from the transfer device. Her limp body is laid next to his brother. Morpheus connects himself and takes his pill, and we see him exit the Matrix and wake in his pod, opening his eyes for the first time. The end. Nice. So that's the big reveals that he's Morpheus. Uh, yep. Talisa is Niobe. I never say that, but that's what it ah. is. So that's where the romance begins. Is actually in the real world, and then or in the uh, Matrix, and then it carries over in the real world.
0: Nice, I like it.
1: I was trying to figure out how do we how do we get a similar. It's it's a different kind of movie, but somewhat similar about. You know, bringing people, you know, just the discovery of it being the Matrix. How do you do that again? It's hard to replicate. Um, So I don't know. And the whole thing takes place in the Matrix. Like we only the end does does he finally get out. Um, So it's kind of a superhero movie, like a whole discovery of powers and that sort of thing. So I'm kind of cheating, but I I don't know. I think I I look at this as kind of a a foundation of a, a new trilogy, maybe. Um, but I don't have too much beyond that. Hmm.
0: You don't want to write a whole trilogy,
1: <laughs> not yet. Come on, not yet. Lazy.
0: <laughs> Just kidding. Oh, uh, that's yeah. No, that's good. I I dig it. Uh, I think you you hint you hit it a few things. People love a good origin story. Mm-hmm. You're totally right. Mm-hmm. And uh, to know the the prequel, if you will, could be good. I like the fact that it's a surprise. We don't know it up front. Mm-hmm. Well, i went a very different direction with mine. Um, It's good. It's good. A lot of times we've overlapped a lot. I think we're completely free of that in this one. Uh, So I went uh, for my pitch. Uh, The title is The Matrix Break the Cycle. I'm bringing back the Wachowski siblings because, honestly, I don't want anybody else to touch this thing yet. Maybe down the road. But it's their baby. Let's see if they can bring it back around. Let's see if they can steer the ship back in a direction that everybody agrees with. I want to bring back the big names, so Keanu and Lawrence Fishburne are both back. Uh, and then I got a couple of new characters who will reveal as I give you my pitch. Uh, setting. Current day in The Matrix? More like 2220 in Zion. We enter the film through the code of The Matrix and focus in on a young woman named Mia, played by Zendaya. She's walking down the street of a major city but looking down at her phone, focused on the screen instead of the world around her. We catch glimpses of the buildings, shops, and signs around her as she moves down the block. There is no sound except the music coming from her earbuds. Rob Zombie plays at max volume. Mia eventually enters a small coffee shop and takes out the earbuds, allowing us to hear the world around her. She's greeted by a young woman at the counter who seems exceptionally happy, and that seems to upset Mia. Her coffee is quickly ready, and as she turns to head back outside, we catch our first real look at the world. It's definitely present day, 2021-ish, but things are different. The buildings and streets are cleaner, more advanced. The sounds we hear are more peaceful than downtown-esque. And as Mia walks again, we see that most of the people around her are actually making eye contact and nodding or saying hello to her. She, make, she uh, shakes her head and puts the earbuds back in. Mia escapes to her apartment and sits down at her computer. The windows are blacked out and the room is a mess, except for shelf after shelf of trinkets, figures, and photos. Can't quite make out what all these things are, but clearly they are of importance to her. She's surrounded by monitors of all shapes and sizes, and we see several PC towers, laptops, and VR goggles at the side of her desk. There's a blip across the monitors and her phone, a recognizable green and black blip featuring the Matrix code we knew from the first trilogy, reveals itself for a split second, but Mia somehow misses it as she's still fidgeting with something in her bag. Mia looks back at the screens just as the code disappears originally returns to whatever she was doing before. Typing away in some sort of forum. Before we can focus in on exactly what she's doing, a tone plays from her headphones, and a reminder pops up at the bottom of her screen. She reaches for a VR headset and lowers the system onto her head and over her eyes. The film turns to black and then to complete white. is in the center of a large void until she hears the voice. She turns to find Morpheus, and he's there to offer her a choice. Red pill or blue? It's just as she had imagined. Unlike Neo's journey from the Matrix to the real world, which is shocking and jarring for him, Mia welcomed the transition. In her first conversation with Morpheus from inside Zion, she shares her thoughts on finally being freed. She had been hunting for the truth and finally found what she knew had to be real. Morpheus leads her to an area with several others who had recently been freed and told that their journey would begin soon. But they need to rest and recover and learn to use their real bodies before they could proceed. You've lived in a world of peace and happiness for some time. I can't do a, a Lawrence Fishburne voice, but somehow you knew it was merely an illusion. You found us, and now you've become a part of the real world. He goes on to tell them how things had been very different, uh, had th- how things had been very different before the arrival of the One, and a truce between the machines and man had been made, but would not last. It's not what me or the others had expected from their escape from the Matrix, but they knew that their world never quite felt right. During one of the training-slash-recovery sessions, another member of the Newly Freed told Morpheus that he couldn't shake something he had learned in in the Matrix. He described several unexplained events that he had seen on YouTube. Through comments, forums, and conversations online, he found that at each of these events, a symbol had been found. He had searched high and low for a translation, but had never found it, and nobody else in those circles had either. He pointed to an inscription on the wall inside the training area and said, And now I see it here. That can't be a coincidence, referring to the the logo or the symbol. Morpheus revealed that the residents of Zion did not believe that Neo was actually dead, and demanded that the machines return the body, but they refused. He had made it his mission to recover The One at all costs and was preparing this group to head to the source to recover Neo. But this revelation of unexplained symbols changed everything. The symbol was used in Zion to refer to The One, to Neo. They'd been looking for a physical body and or signs of him in the Matrix, but had never found anything. (laughs) With that, the training of these new recruits shifted and the search would continue back on familiar ground in The Matrix. We can skip the training montage and the I know Kung Fu references here, much like we started to skip the car racing scenes in the last Fast and Furious movies. It's all been covered. The team now assembled began their search and, at one of their first stops, are met by a young Indian woman. She shows them nothing but kindness and love and asks questions about why they have arrived at the site and what they are doing. This is an immediate red flag for Mia, somebody being too nice. The young woman reveals that her name is Sati, And that she is, in fact, a program. She, too, has been searching for Neo. And if you're not following along, that's the young girl from Reloaded and Revolutions at the very end. Just pointing that out. All right. from here on, I'm getting a little less storytelling and a little more, let's get to the facts of what's going on. Because I could go on forever and I didn't want to write six pages. So here we go. Sadi had course-corrected the Matrix through her interpretation of love. Something I found while watching these YouTube videos. She, as a code, had her own interpretation of what love was. Things had gotten better in the Matrix, but with more people being set free, the people of Zion were struggling. So many people had put a real strain on their resources, and they're still living underground. And Sadi wanted to help. She was convinced that the architect was correct, and the only way to make their life in Zion better was through coding, via a reboot of the Matrix, something that, that Neo had passed on. Morpheus disagreed. He believed that Zion would flourish so long as the machines gave up any and all control they still had there. The truce, in his opinion, was merely a Band-Aid and would eventually be broken by the machines. If that happened, things would return to the way they were before Neo went to the source. Couldn't do that. And there is the conflict. Sadi, as a loving and generous as she could be, was guided by her mission and believed that only she could be right. So she armed herself with the next generation of fighters to track down Neo and force him to reboot the Matrix. An offer apparently still on the table via the Architect. Sadi saw nothing wrong with this. It was merely what had to be done. As time progressed, fights broke out at each and every location Morpheus and his team revisited within the Matrix. Next-level fighting and weapons were used in each battle. Some on each side were lost. Sadi's group simply created more warriors through code and evolved at every step. Morpheus still couldn't budge. Losing life after life, he believed it was all worth it if they could find Neo. But at every location, they only found the symbol and no sign of Neo. Finally, all the locations had been visited, and they thought that there was nowhere else to search. Mia, our original character, Zendaya, a collector at heart, had taken the symbols from each location in honor of Neo. A stone here, a carved piece of wood there, a vial of sand where the symbol had been traced in the ground. Once they brought back the final keepsake and placed it in Zion, it happened. Code, never before seen in the Matrix, appeared on every monitor throughout Zion. And within the Matrix, the one returned. Morpheus and the remaining members jacked in and went to reunite with Neo, but what they found was not what they expected. Neo looked mostly the same, just a little older, a little more beardy, but he didn't act the same. Instead of black leather and glasses, he wore all red and a blindfold made of matching red leather. He hovered above the ground, and an aura of bright red was all around him. Neo, in an even more robotic tone than in the first three films, explains that he embedded himself deeper in the Matrix to understand the machines better and had reviewed every instance of the Matrix before the one that Morpheus and the Freed Ones had been familiar with. He believed that a balance could be struck between the machines and man so that people could return to the surface of the Earth and begin to populate the real world again, freeing more minds from the Matrix as time went on. Sadi, on the other hand, believed that the machines cared for people by keeping them in the Matrix and feared that freeing too many people would result in a substantial loss in resources, i.e., the people batteries that the machines and code needed to exist, and a return to how things before the machines took over. As he had been explaining things, more and more people from Zion had jacked in and appeared all around, anxious to catch their first clips at the one. Nearly every resident had found their way into the crowd within the Matrix. It was then that Sadi appeared, with an army behind her. Still positive and happy, she approached Neon with open arms. I'm so happy to see you, Neo. I feared we had lost you forever. You were such an inspiration to the beautiful changes I've made to the Matrix, but I'm afraid that this balance you seek with the machines simply will not work. People are too unreliable, and we simply cannot return to how things were before the Matrix. With that and a single wave of her hand, it began. Her army began to attack and slaughter everyone in leather. Well, everyone from Zion that had jacked in, but they're pretty easy to spot when they're all in leather. The machines and man had been in a truce, but this program Sadi was neither, machine or man. The machines continued to stand down, leaving those in Zion in peace. But what went on in the Matrix was a completely different story. Neo wanted to intervene, but if he did, the truce would be broken. Morpheus simply did not have the ability or the people to defeat Sadi's army. It ended quickly as it began. Only a few made it out, including Mia. Morpheus was not one of the lucky few. The Matrix would not be rebooted. The machines would not break the truce. The population of Freed was down to a few hundred and hoped seemed lost. Going into the Matrix would prove too risky for anyone for any reason, but those who had scattered during the fight could still return home to Zion, and they did, slowly. We fast forward a few months to show a restructured Zion. Things had grown dire, and it simply did not look good. Then word came that another soul had escaped and returned, which hadn't happened in quite some time. A young man awoke and looked at Mia, who seemed to have taken over in some sort of leadership role. Hello, Mia. It's me, Neo. I've decided to return so we can try again. I believe. Cut to a black and huge graphics on the screen. The Matrix Chronicles. The series begins on HBO Max. Insert date, one month after the reveal of the film. So we have a movie leading into a series instead of a movie leading into another movie. So you don't have to wait six months. You just have to have HBO Max. Wow. This is not, by the way, sponsored by HBO Max. Yet. But it's a secret <laughs> drop, and we all get to go home and continue the movie in a series, now led by this new character, who is Neo in someone else's body, and Mia in, in Zion. A trailer available a couple of weeks after the premiere, shows the ongoing struggles of Zion, Mia, and Neo, now in that different body, as they work to save their home and return to the Matrix to free more people and begin a true rebellion against Sadi and her army. Roll the final credits for real.
1: Wow. That's some fine work. I went
0: nuts on this. I'm exhausted. Yeah. It, It hurt my brain so much to do this, but I felt it was important to continue the story, and I think I figured it out.
1: I think you did. That, um <laughs> yeah, that's very clever. Like, I don't feel like it's a... Um, like, where right now, the way they've cast this, I'm like, this is a cop-out to just have Keanu and Carrie Ann. Um,
0: so you have the names on it. Yep. Right.
1: But I think your story actually is good for that. Like, it makes sense. Like, he didn't really die he went further in so that he could under you know mm-hmm. analyze this which i can believe he actually would have done because he seemed very um had good foresight into what was happening uh in that last one so i could see him doing that and i like Saudi returning because she was featured it
0: seemed like that was something I really took away from the end of those two films. Is like, why are we featured in on this little girl? What is so special? about It does about seem her? like a and setup how she now. A sunset for Neo. Yeah, like I, I needed to. I needed to know more from her, so I wrote it. And and she, that, that one of the videos I watched did talk about that train station, Mobile mm-hmm. Avenue, the for the train man and the the code, the man and the woman, the Indian with mm-hmm. little Saudi's parents, and how they were. They were code that found love, their interpretation of it, and Sadi was the result of that. She was a new code with new abilities. Mm-hmm. She was a rogue code that didn't belong with the machines and with the typical code, so that's why she was shipped off to the Oracle. And like we know from any film, the a good villain is based in a place of them thinking that they're doing right, always. And she would never question it because she's a program. She has one mode of thinking, and that is... I want to take care of these people and the only way to do it is to keep them in their little pods so they're safe and sound.
1: I yeah, I think you perfectly achieved that. That's some solid writing, sir. Uh,
0: thank you. I it honestly wore me out. I want to take a nap after finishing that. It took 4 hours. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, great work. I I feel like um now if any any story for the actual Matrix 4 coming out won't be as good as what you've got there.
0: Oh my god. So that's, that's the highest compliment of man not right
1: nice there. work very very nice work Thank you. I actually want to read that again and go through it again um, yeah oh
0: good point there and I meant to mention that before doing mine is a uh, brother does a really good job of, of updating the uh, website and for me when he's reading his pitch I I love to read along because it's really easy I like to listen to the voice but I like to read along at the same time so I don't miss on those details my mind wanders so for any of you who are the same, uh, a lot of times he'll have these up by the time the episode goes up or shortly thereafter. So if you want to read along while you listen, uh, visit our website, movieretakes.com, and be sure to check out uh, the, the written out one. You'll also see how we will, uh, we'll add our own little flair in while we're reading, because it's not spot on 100% uh, what we wrote. I like, I like to throw in a few things here and there.
1: Well, yeah, sometimes I'm reading and I'm like, I'm reading ahead and I'm like, that doesn't. it'll work better if I change these words or whatever. So yeah, it's slightly different um which is kind of exciting um it is and yeah you can find all our old uh pitches from previous episodes there as well so it is fun to go back i mean even just we've written them and i forget at this point the details of some of them so going back to read those is actually pretty entertaining it's like little short stories uh flash fiction as they say all right well uh that is our matrices (laughs) <laughs> I guess that's yeah, how you it say it. <laughs> um, so yours is a, a Matrix Four. Mine's more like a Matrix Zero, I guess. And um, I love it. And uh, yeah. And then we do have the Matrix Four coming out not too long from now. Mr. Anderson, welcome back. We missed. Um, which is insane to say, especially from the fact that you and talked about this earlier, where when everyone went to see the Matrix originally, no one knew anything about it. We all showed yeah. up, paid our money, sat down and didn't know one thing about the Matrix other than somebody said, you need to go see the Matrix. And we did. Beautiful. And that is uh, that is a phenomenon that does not happen very often. And yet. It seems to be happening again. The plot on this is unknown. Here we are, yes, only months away. No one knows what this is about. Now we can, uh, we can make our own assumptions based on who's in it, um, but we really, really don't know, which is pretty exciting. Um, yeah. So let's talk about who's in it. Um, Jessica Henwick, uh, who you might know as Colleen Wing from Iron Fist. Probably the best part of that show was her. Yep, agreed. Uh, She was also recently in Love and Monsters, which I thoroughly enjoyed, and I liked her a lot in it. Uh, Keanu's coming back. We also get uh, Ellen Hallman, which was uh, on—she was in Spartacus, one of the series, and she was also in Love and Monsters, ironically. Um, We get Priyanka Chopra, who was in the Quantico— Wait, wait. Series?
0: No, no, sorry. sorry, I didn't mean to stop you in the middle of that. Uh, Priyanka Chopra from Quantico and the White Tiger. When I was doing mine, I didn't read ahead. I had no idea she was in this. When I was doing mine, I actually cast the role of Sadi. She was going to be my number one choice. So I wonder, is that Sadi?
1: You could be right. Yeah.
0: Oh, am I closer? I ended up casting somebody else because Priyanka was a little too old Uh for the role but god she's gorgeous Mm -hmm. uh yes please Mm -hmm. and I'm sorry to interrupt you go on
1: no that's all right. yeah that makes sense that could be her uh Carrie Ann is gonna return and I'll tell you I uh I enjoyed Carrie Ann in these movies but uh if you guys didn't watch uh well she was in a couple of the uh Marvel series uh Mm -hmm. that were on Netflix she was great she was fantastic I really enjoyed seeing her uh in another role and um yeah, she's she was really, really great. So I'm actually anxious to see her again. Uh, and hopefully, like, maybe we get a little bit of a different acting style, maybe some more emotions from everybody. She's one of the more emotional. Yeah. Um. But, uh, yeah, hopefully everybody else can do some different kind of things, too. We also get Jonathan Groff, who you may have seen uh, in Hamilton or the Mindhunter series. Uh, he also uh, did a voice of, um, I've forgotten his name now, from Frozen 1 and 2. Uh, Christoph, I think. Um, I was going to say, is it Christoph? Yeah, I think yeah. it was. Uh, we also get Neil Patrick Harris, which,
0: yeah. What?
1: Uh, and then Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, who uh, was in the Get Down series. He was also in the Watchmen series, which he was great in that. And he's in the upcoming Candyman, which we also have a podcast. He's good. Episode. He's good I like him as well. Uh, Jada is coming back, which I love her. Uh, she was probably my favorite edition in the, the final two. I really like her. And um, like I talk talking about people being like, you know, sort of stoic and emotionless. She was never, she always, even in little nods and, and, and little expressions, she got a lot of depth to her character. Um, Daniel Bernhardt is in this. He was in the Mortal Kombat conquest series uh, as Ciro or Syro. I don't actually know that character. Um, the matrix reloaded as agent johnson so he's been in the matrix before and he's returning as that character here and another returning character lambert wilson as the merovingian wow the merovingian is returning (laughs) i did not know
0: that either i freaking love that guy and his whole rant about the piece of cake in reloaded like it should be one of the douchiest things in the world but i love him and i'm really hoping if that's true are we going to get uh, his, his love interest back? Because uh, Monica
1: Bellucci, come on. She's not, she's not listed, so I don't know. That's a bummer. Yeah. Um, so this is listed as directed by Lana Wachowski, so not the siblings. Um, so I don't know huh. um, if uh, Lily's involved or not. Uh, writers on this are Alexander Heman, who did uh, Love Island, David Mitchell, who wrote Cloud Atlas, and Lana Wachowski- also writing on this. Uh, it is coming out December twenty second. Merry Christmas, everybody. I, that's that's so soon.
0: It is. I'm getting. I'm getting. Oh man. I, I hope you know what. I hope there's not a single damn trailer. I don't want. I don't want to know nothing. I want to just go sit in my seat and watch this thing. Don't show us anything. Just put the logo up on the screen, and let's hear Morpheus's voice. And that's all I need. Let's do.
1: I it. I think they need zero marketing. Everybody. Yeah. Yep. Already. Everyone will see this. Yep. Yeah, you've already got it secured. So they're golden. Okay. Um, yeah, I it's been a while. Like, it's been a long while from the Matrix. And despite whatever rating people gave revolutions, I think everyone's in the same boat. They're all excited again. They're itching for more. And even if it ends up being Somewhat disappointing. I don't think anybody will care. Like we'll we'll still be hard on it and rate it and whatever, but everybody's gonna want to see it. And I think that yep. that's uh that's huge to say that there is And they're gonna be if they stick with this date,
0: it's gonna come out at a time where the I mean, this end of summer, most likely the world will be getting back to quote unquote normal hmm. and by December we should be back to the way movie theaters were before. They're really putting this at a perfect time. To capture our love for the movies and our return to theaters, I hope all the theaters are back. But one way or another, timing's good on this.
1: Yeah, if if you were ever to to get close to recapturing that moment that we had and sitting down for the first Matrix, this would be it. To where, if for a lot of people, this will be the first movie back, and not knowing anything about it other than it's this cool continuation of a franchise from a long time ago and um you know just everything will be hopefully as as uh amazing uh and jaw-dropping as it was then okay well that was a lot of fun really enjoyed um yeah. everything there but we have some more for you we also like to talk about um the behind the scenes sort of trivia what happened uh that you may not have known about about the movies in this franchise.
0: I'll
1: start off with the first one. Here's a bit of a general trivia outside of, or rather encompassing all of the movies. Oh, and that actually reminds me before we get into this, there is the animatrix. We didn't talk about it much. Yeah. Um, but we should have, and it's not, mm, I guess it is and is not part of the series. It is connected in some ways. Um. Mm-hmm but it's canon it is it's canon and i yeah. i did not rewatch it but I, didn't I have seen it before a couple times and i really enjoyed it and we've talked about it on the live and i do recommend if you can find it to watch it because uh if you even whatever it's it's good by itself it's an anthology it tells a few different stories i forget how many um but a lot of them are really good and um the variety of the different animation styles and stuff in there is worth it just to check all that out. Mm -hmm. Uh, So do, do watch that if you can find it. All right. So I'm going to watch it again before this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And there's also comics and stuff as well. So there is more to this world. Uh, You can go check out and find out more about the matrix. Uh, The video game. Yeah. Oh, and the video game. We didn't mention that. And I can't imagine how hard that must've been. They were doing two movies A video game and something. And I think they were partially working on animation. I don't remember. There was some other project that they were also working on. Uh, I, I don't know how you made it through that. That's a ton of that's a ton of work. But anyway, lots of material out there. Okay, trivia time. The key of the beginning theme you hear at the beginning of every Matrix movie, the the rousing strings and the horn blast, it ascends with each movie. In the Matrix from 99, it starts in the key of E minor. In the Matrix Reloaded from 2003, it goes up a whole step to F sharp minor. And then in Revolutions, it goes up a half a step to the key of G minor. What subtle but important. Yeah. How cool is that? I thought that was a really neat uh, bit of trivia there. Very, very cool.
0: That's cool. and need see if there's a YouTube video that puts them all side oh, by side yeah. so you can get the full effect. All right, I'll kick off uh trivia here for The Matrix, the first film. The opening action scene took six months of training and four days to shoot. Hmm. And what would it last in the movie for like a minute and a half?
1: Yeah. Crazy man. But it was outstanding. Like we oh. had not we had not seen tone anything like that. For the
0: whole yeah. franchise.
1: And I thought it was really bold too that the opening fight sequence is trinity um yeah that's I love that's it. pretty cool um yeah don't give me that jurist my
0: diction <laughs> crap your men are already dead oh wow I, every time i watch that movie
1: i say all those lines out loud i'm like let's go <laughs>
0: this is so awesome
1: uh after the lobby shootout the camera pans back showing the aftermath of the gunfight during this a piece of one of the pillars falls off this happens yep. by coincidence during filming and it was no. not planned so they left it in because it seemed appropriate and it's perfect
0: dude every time i watch it like yesterday was the first time that i had watched it in i don't know a couple years probably mm. i've watched that scene and it pans to the elevator doors close and i look right at that pillar and watch it fall <laughs> off i like every time it's like the that's the end of the scene it's like the exclamation point on the whole thing mm-hmm. i love it yeah it's great that's so funny Uh, Will Smith was approached to play Neo, but turned down the offer in order to star in the blockbuster Wild Wild West from 1999. He later admitted that at the time he was not mature enough as an actor and that if given the role, he would have messed it up. They had no regrets saying that Keanu was brilliant as Neo. I can't imagine Will Smith in the Matrix. Love him, but
1: Neo was the one, literally. Literally. I think he I think he might have been okay. There was another casting thing we we cover here in a little bit that I uh, uh th- th- <laughs> for Neo that I really 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 wish it happened. Uh we'll get there in a little bit uh not this one sandra bullock uh although this would have been fine too guess who sandy's (laughs) back on the show sandra bullock (laughs) had been offered the role of trinity but turned it down because will smith was in the movie now i don't know what to read into that um oh interesting she regretted her decision she did regret her decision um because had she been cast she would have been reunited with keanu who she worked with previously in speed
0: huh how interesting they ended up doing that uh what is that time one the cabin or whatever where they send letters what's that one called
1: um uh, the lake house yeah the lake yeah. house
0: they did that one a couple of years later so they could have ended up doing three yeah films together yeah. not counting the trilogy mm-hmm. that would have been three total that films by itself, itself. Uh, to prepare for the scene in which Neo wakes up in a pod, Keanu Reeves lost 15 pounds and shaved his whole body to give Neo an emaciated look. He did look thin this movie. He did. He's always a thin guy, but he looked extra thin there for
1: sure. Yeah, it worked. Uh, the studio insisted on a great deal of explanatory dialogue as they described the screenplay as the script that nobody understands.
0: Well, that's, yeah, that's because you're the studio and you should stay out of the filmmaking Ooh. process uh gary oldman oh come on gary oldman was considered as morpheus at one point as well as samuel jackson love them both gary oldman would have been pretty freaking amazing though
1: yeah gary should have been the architect i think
0: oh that'd have been better yeah and i think he would have done or will or will ferrell (laughs) yes i forgot about that (laughs) it's so good
1: that's funny Uh, The date stamp on the phone trace program in the opening sequence reads 2 1998. The date stamp on the phone trace program in the closing sequence reads 9-18-99. This means that the events in the movie take place over 19 months. Huh. Never really thought about how long. Interesting. It had been. Me either. Uh, Many Hollywood studio execs passed
0: on this project claiming virtual reality sci-fi was bad business. They were right up to that point. Citing the failure of previous movies like Johnny Mnemonic, which had Keanu
1: Reeves, <laughs> interesting. Mm-hmm. So that's how he redeemed both himself and the that particular genre. Yeah. Which you're right, up until then, yeah.
0: Garbagey yeah. Lawnmower Man. Ugh.
1: Yeah, and did did we already have uh, Virtuosity? I think was another one with Denzel. Uh, oh, um
0: that's a good question. I I've seen that advertised lately in one of my streaming services uh let's let's look that up i want to know there was
1: another movie what was the name of it with um i think it was rafe fines or joseph uh i think it was rafe fines and um oh what's
0: it called
1: yeah okay well um
0: uh, virtuosity was 95 so it had been out for a few years already. okay
1: yeah but there was a couple more um but yeah none of them were really well received uh yeah this is you i think right no me when belinda mcclory auditioned for the role of switch she was only going for half the role the character was originally planned to be played by an androgynous actor in the real world it would be played by a male actor and in the matrix be represented in a female form hence the name switch warner brothers refined the idea and mcclory ended up getting a single female role in both environments and vanessa and i talked about this the other night where yeah. Uh, the whole thing about the matrix is where um Larry explains where it's a projection of how you see yourself, but it's your yeah. choice. Uh, yeah. w- one is how does it work that if you are born in a pod, that you have a self projection of yourself when you have no idea what you look like. So Ke- yeah. Keanu waking up as Keanu could have looked like anyone. Um, yeah. So, it must've been programmed that way. And then when you go back,
0: it would just be tough for the movie. Viewer yes. To follow and which that. is why they went with yeah. it. Yeah.
1: There's, there's, uh, that sort of area. And then there's, yeah, for, for the, for the theater, the movie going folks, but then also, yeah, if you're going back in, I'm not going to look like me. I'm going to look like Keanu Reese. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Uh, so interesting. And that would have been, I think really cool, uh, for them to have done.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I think I think now it probably would have happened at the time. That was a harder sell at, sure. to the, the to the studio, uh, and maybe to audiences as well. But going in in the parallels between the lives of the Wachowski brothers, right. now Wachowski siblings, they clearly wanted to make some statements about uh, their personal lives. Yeah, and I, I kind of wish it had gone down that way because the name switch is brilliant. Uh, also, without that character, we wouldn't get the classic line, "Not like this."
1: Which I say all the time while playing video games. So. Plus, I love that Switch is in all white. Like, what a great yes contrast with the, everybody else. To everybody mm-hmm. else, yeah.
0: That scene where they they first go into the brick building where uh, where Joey Pants shows the throws the phone in the garbage, mm-hmm. and you see him come out one by one. And yeah, she comes out in that stark white. It's so just iconic. I love. Oh, it. I, so I, cool. sorry,
1: I I have to comment on this because the, the times I've watched it in recent years i think this is the dumbest thing in the, all the movies where so he puts his phone in to trace right and then yeah and then there's that scene afterward say. where he <laughs> give me your phone, me your phone. <laughs> no they'll trace it and then she just pulls another phone out her phone out so yeah, they exactly. won't trace that one that is the dumb. <laughs> it you didn't need it why ask why uh-uh. ask him for his phone that was and, so stupid. And, and you stupid. notice,
0: too, in a split second in that scene, when he re, when he turns to Joey Pants, he, he kind of looks, like, checks his pockets yeah, yeah. in that classic, like, oh, I've lost something. Must be in my other picture. Morpheus should have immediately gone, where's your phone? We've had problems. Where's your phone? I want it right now. Yeah. Ridiculous. <laughs> You're right. I, I noticed that, too, when watching. I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> That's all right. I mean, those happen. Uh, those holes happen. Sure. You, you can't plug all the holes. Yeah. All right, uh, here we go. Uh, The hotel and room number where Neo has to pick up the the phone to get out of the Matrix at the end are the same where Trinity awaits the
1: police at the beginning of the movie. I did did notice that this go around. I was like, is that the the same hotel? Hey, wait, I think that's the same room number. Yeah, that's pretty neat. I like uh, booking and stuff like that. Uh, sets from the film dark city from 1998 including rooftops buildings and other exterior sets were used in this film the rooftops that trinity runs across at the beginning of the film are the same ones that john murdoch runs across in dark city this came up in our live the other day Uh, maybe that's why both movies deal with humanity being kept in a carefully constructed illusion by outsiders which prompted claims that the matrix had effectively ripped off dark city in reality the screenplay of the matrix had been written long before Dark City was released. Huh. I enjoy both.
0: That's very interesting. Yeah, same. I I need to rewatch Dark City. It's been a long time. Tasty Wheat, which is mentioned when Mouse is trying to describe the food in the real world, was replaced by Sex Krispies in the German version of the movie.
1: (laughs) I do not understand that choice. Uh, (laughs) Sex Krispies? Come on. (laughs) I I questioned... (laughs) The legitimacy of this trivia, but at the same time, yeah. uh, I don't care. It's hilarious. When, hilarious. when the idea of the Matrix was an early development in the early 90s, Lana and Lily Wachowski first, 1st I'm sorry, their first choice for the role of Neo was Brandon Lee. But he dry, died tragically oh. on the set of the crow. And that's what I was talking about. I Dude. would have loved to see him yes. as Neo. Agreed.
0: Agree. And I,
1: we've talked about him before, and I always think he had a huge career ahead of him, and him being in that role would have solidified forever um, him as the action star, and he would have gone on to do tons and tons.
0: You know, I, we'll never get to see alternate universes in our lifetime, but wouldn't it be cool to see what he would have done? Yeah. Uh, maybe in the afterlife we can see all the uh, the alternate universes and i'll be like can i see the one where brandon lee lived i want to see what happened with him well
1: with all the stuff we have <laughs> with uh cg and they, they're already doing projects like this like taking imagery of of actors yep. historically have you heard about Bring this where now they can use them in yep. movies so we're going to see yeah. uh, harrison ford oh. 20 years after he dies in a movie um, yeah, oh yeah. For so sure. may, maybe they'll do stuff like that where you, you pop in your whatever uh, media of uh, The Matrix and you choose who's in it.
0: Oh, like an on the fly. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's And crazy. I choose to see what Brandon Jeez. Lee as Neo would look like.
0: You know, the first thing somebody's going to do is like cast the stupidest person <laughs> in the lead role. They're going to be like, I want to see The Matrix with Billy Bob Thornton in the lead. Like, yeah, just some stupid crap, hey. that, like and then it's gonna work and we're gonna love it'll
1: it. be yeah, yeah. Well, that'd be great i would <laughs> totally do that then you get to watch yeah it's a choose your own adventure and you watch the same movie over and over again but with different people playing the roles like that's awesome that would be really interesting we need to have a competition for the
0: craziest casting of all time like what if you could pick that what would the wackiest casting be we don't have time to do it now but y'all think on it that'd be mm-hmm. fun All right, uh, moving on to trivia for The Matrix Reloaded. The special effects cost $100 million. Just
1: the special effects. Should have spent more. Wow. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne, (laughs) Jada Pinkett Smith, and Anthony Brandon Wong all signed on to the film without having read the script. They get it. They understand. Uh, Gloria
0: Foster... The Oracle, who Matthew talked about at the beginning, died before the end of shooting the second Matrix film. She had done most of her scenes for the film, but none for the third film, The Matrix Revolutions, as well as Enter the That's Matrix.
1: it. That's the other project, Enter uh,
0: the Matrix. Yes. Uh, Mary Alice was chosen as a replacement. And like you said, she did a really good job yeah. because you could tell she was emulating what Gloria Foster had done. But then they also speak to why her, her uh, why she looks different. And I thought that was a uh, that was smart the way they did it. Yeah,
1: Lana and Lily had been approached to direct Batman Begins two thousand five, but turned it down to do the Matrix sequels.
0: Hm. Holy crap! I didn't even realize that the Matrix first one came out before Batman Begins. That's crazy. Like in my head, that I, it didn't, <laughs> that timeline doesn't exist that way. That's interesting. Uh, GM donated 300 cars for use in the production of the movie. All 300 were wrecked by the end. Oh, my God. That's great. I love as
1: it. As soon as I read that, <laughs> I thought, you know, if I'm the director, that was a challenge that they did for themselves yep. to say, we're going to bust every one of these cars. It's going to be Everyone. awesome. <laughs> Even if I got to take a hammer to it myself. Sean Connery was originally picked to play the architect, but turned it down because he couldn't understand the concept of the movie. Didn't we? <gasps> I think we said that before, about he didn't understand something about some other movie. Yeah. Maybe it was this. I don't know.
0: You you played a Spaniard in Highlander, but you can't play the architect (laughs) in The Matrix? Come on. That would have been great. Yeah. Wow. Uh, The role of Seraph was originally written specifically for Jet Li. Well, I could have told you that without reading this. Reportedly, Jet Li asked for the same amount of money as Keanu Reeves was getting to do the film. The role was then changed to a female and offered to Michelle Yeoh, who turned it down due to scheduling conflicts. That would have been even better. I like the dude who played Seraph, but Michelle Yeoh would have been even better.
1: Yeah, I like her a lot. That would have been nice to see. In the original theatrical release of The Matrix Reloaded from 2003, many of the signs during the freeway chase had eight character hexadecimal codes instead of their actual content, as shown in later theatrical versions. And on home video, these hex codes were cheap codes for the companion game, Enter the Matrix. I, what? I played that game and it was freaking awesome. Yeah, it was good. I don't know if it would hold up now, but but it was fun at the time.
0: The monitors appearing in the architect's room are exactly the same as those appearing in The Matrix, the original film, when agents capture Neo for interrogation and insert a bug in him.
1: Yeah, so this this came up. I, I actually noticed this because I've seen them all now enough to remember like the little little bits and so if you, you yeah. recall him reloaded when he meets with the architect there's all those monitors all around and they have a specific sure. look to them so this time around yeah. when we watch the first matrix it does this thing where it basically pulls away from or yep. goes into i forget which way it goes anyway yeah. it goes into a monitor i think and that's when we see him in the interrogation room and i was thinking i noticed the look of this monitor i'm like is this are we watching as the architect is the architect watching this <gasps> And there was always that little clue that he was around. Like they knew beforehand, I guess. But I think that's what it is.
0: It's, that's really cool. Yeah. I, I really dig the that scene with the architect when all the Keanu's on the different screens yeah. are like reacting as his emotions. And there's like one where he's like flipping off the camera. And
1: I love well, that. Well, let me ask you this, too, because Vanessa and I kind of argued about it. When you see that and he's talking about there's the other six versions. <laughs> Well, what do you think that means in relation to all those Keanu's and those screens? Maybe I don't... Could that
0: have been the previous iterations? Is that what you That's asking? what
1: I'm asking. Is that... Yeah. Are those the Keanu's, the ones that came around before, and that's like genuinely how they reacted in the previous instances? Oh. Because that's how I interpreted That's.
0: It. I'm going to rewatch that scene now. That's really interesting. Which
1: brings up... So something it goes into a detail of does that mean that there's only so much genetic human genetic material or did they purposely every time use that genetic material to make Keanu knowing in advance that he was always going to go through this and be the one because it was always Keanu Reeves in every one of those
0: yeah and it's it's machines, and they think in very exact terms. So they, if they're going to redo this thing every time, and then just make you know the slightest of changes or whatever, yeah, they're going to duplicate. They're going to copy what they had before and paste. Yeah, so yeah, copy. <laughs>
1: it's a big copy and paste. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's 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 fun to talk about those little things. Uh, when Trinity hacks the power station's uh-huh. computer, the password she uses is Z one O N zero one zero one Zion 101
0: <laughs> that's Zion the one the one yeah. I love it that's cool uh, Ava Mendez Samantha Mumba Brandy Norwood and Tatiana Ali were all rumored to be possible replacements for the character of Z after the initial choice Aliyah, died in a plane crash in August uh, 25th 2001 oh that's interesting I didn't know she was cast uh, Nona Gay daughter of the late Motown legend Marvin Gay was eventually cast in the role that's who that was huh
1: yeah, Aaliyah was didn't know that. Uh, apparently, uh, chosen for a few movies, and um, wow. yeah, her career was. That's also another one that could have taken off and been hey. something huge. <sighs> In the beginning of the film, the captains are talking about the final transmissions of the Osiris, the short animated film "Final Fight." final flight of the osiris part of the animatrix serves as a prequel to the matrix reloaded and reveals how the osiris crew managed to warn the other zion ships about the army of sentinels digging their way to zion huh that's
0: kind of like uh rogue one as it relates to uh yeah the star Wars right yeah franchise that's interesting all right and now on to the matrix revolutions in an unprecedented simultaneous global release, the film opened at exactly the same moment in every major city in the world on November fifth, six AM in Los Angeles, nine AM New York, two London, five, Moscow, eleven, Tokyo, November sixth, at one AM in Sydney, and at corresponding times in over fifty additional countries worldwide. <laughs> how do
1: you that's cool? How do you coordinate that? Especially th- that yeah. Then that's
0: that's Wow. Yeah, it's amazing.
1: Uh, many of the raindrops in the final fight between Neo and Smith are actually single lines of Matrix code, similar to those on displays seen <laughs> in the real world throughout the trilogy. This subtle effect was added to imply the Matrix was beginning to destabilize. This visual trick was easily seen on IMAX in larger movie theaters, but can be seen on smaller televisions as branded rain that seems to jump like static during close-ups of the fight scenes. I couldn't, Whoa, I didn't I couldn't see that. it. Uh, Vanessa said she had read this before we watched that and I looked and I could see it was like fat rain, if you will, but I couldn't really discern that it was code.
0: Oh, I'm going to watch that again too. That's crazy. Uh, Keanu Reeves reportedly earned $15 million for the film, the equivalent of $400,000 for every minute of screen time. (laughs) God. And I'm like, how am I going to buy groceries this month? Yeah. <laughs>
1: let me do another Let me do another minute. Uh the film dropped 66% in total earnings in its second week of release. So people went to go see it, said, "Nah, man, don't go see it."
0: That's honestly not that shocking given the time frame because as things have developed over the years, the drop off from week 1 to week 2 has become more and more drastic. Mm especially when there's more films out. I don't know, like, if you compare it to other films around the same time, it may have been more drastic. But I think that's pretty commonplace nowadays, honestly. Yeah, could be. Uh, in the scene where Morpheus, Trinity, and Seraph are chasing the train man, they pass an advertisement for Tasty Wheat. I did notice that. It's right there when they come off the train. I didn't see that. Uh, there is also a poster for a fictional movie called Burly Man, starring Keanu Reeves, Lawrence Fishburne, and Hugo Weaving. I did not see that. Yeah, I, that's crazy. I can
1: see that. I want that poster. The name of the station... Exactly, I was going (laughs) to (laughs) say. The name of the station between the machine world and the Matrix is called Mobile Avenue. Mobile, M-O-B-I-L, is an anagram of Limbo, the traditional station between heaven and earth.
0: That's it. I have been struggling with this the entire time I've been watching the movies. And every time I saw that scene, I was like, that has to stand for something. (laughs) I thought it was an acronym or something. It was an anagram for limbo. I swear I have been thinking on this, and now I feel really stupid because it was so easy. But I knew it meant something. I knew it couldn't be as simple as Mobile Avenue. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's like a decade of my life to (laughs) solve.
1: There you go. Now you can rest. Uh,
0: Though never mentioned by name, based on information from the Animatrix, the Machine City is actually called Zero One and located in the empty... Qatar, I'm sorry, and located in the empty quarter in Saudi Arabia. I wanted to read that as Qatar. But. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, in the last scene of the film, the bench the oracle sits on has a small metal dedication plate on it that says, "In memory of Thomas Anderson, Mister." Nice. I wondered. Anderson. Anderson.
0: I wondered what that said because I, I noticed uh, when they were the architect was walking up to meet the oracle, there was something there, but I could never read the plate. Yeah
1: okay folks well that was a big episode and it deserves every bit of time we didn't make 400,000 per minute um but if we did i'd talk for a little while longer uh (laughs) (laughs) so we appreciate you coming by and listening to another episode um we appreciate the reviews if you can keep more of those coming along uh like i said at the beginning if you haven't followed us Uh, on all the locations that you like to follow us for social media and listening to podcasts and subscribing everywhere. Please do that. Catch us on Twitch every Wednesday, uh, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Come out and have some fun. Say hi. Um, Get on that front row and be a taco.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Or a a dinosaur.
1: Yeah, anything you want to be.
0: Hot dog.
1: Yeah, so much fun. (laughs) All right, well, I'm Matt Sully. Uh, Thank you, everyone. Always appreciate uh, you listening. Uh, Support a writer, read a book, and this is Big Sully saying, Nerds Unite!